The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown, baby! Now, here are your hosts, two-time All-American punter Drew Butler. Mark Rick would like Drew Butler to hit it a mile in the air. And he did. What a kick. And the SEC's career leader in touchdown passes and completions, Aaron Murray. Touchdown in stride as he crosses the goal line. Put it right on his hip. What a throw. Now, with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Get to the house. Sideline. Pylon. Touchdown. And the dogs are on the board first. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly, I've been lame. Welcome into the Punt and Pass Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler, joined as always by my co-host, Aaron Murray. And Aaron, I'm sad. I'm sad for a couple of reasons. One, the New Year's Six Bowls are complete. The semifinals are over. So the end of college football is scarily near. The national championship is set. Of course, it's number two, Clemson taking on number one, Alabama, as many people could have projected before the season started. I'm happy, though. It's a new year. Happy New Year to all of our punt and pass listeners. I hope you had a great holiday. Hope you enjoyed a safe and happy way to ring in 2019. Follow us on social media, at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram. Aaron is at Aaron Murray 11 and I am at... Drew Butler, 13. Aaron, happy new year, and it's Friday, January 4th. And, man, you got a huge weekend and really month ahead. You are leaving today to start your Atlanta Legends Alliance of American Football training camp. That's pretty exciting. Well, well, first off, happy new year to you and the family and the new baby. Thank you. And holy smokes, I actually have practice tomorrow. Like, I'm sitting right now in my— Football practice pajamas doing this little podcast with you <laughs> and in my mind I'm in, in probably about what 12 hours we're gonna have a team meeting we're gonna install plays and then I'm gonna wake up tomorrow morning and we're gonna go run those plays with a helmet on probably not shoulder pads just yet a little like acclimation pads period. On Monday what's that a little acclimation period yeah just you know get the get the juices flowing a little bit but holy smokes I actually I, I put on shoulder pads yesterday because I've been throwing with some of the receivers and yesterday we were out there throwing. I was like, I should probably put shoulder pads on just to get a feel because I haven't thrown with shoulder pads in two years. Wow. I really, I mean, two years since I've thrown with shoulder pads on. So it's, I haven't been hit in two years. Oh, man. This That'll is be, be the fun. biggest that, thing. That, 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 that will that, certainly be the biggest thing. That preseason game at the end of this month, when I, because obviously quarterbacks, we're not going to get hit this first month of practice yeah. when you're doing with your team, you have the red jersey on. That first hit I take at the end of the month in the, in the preseason game, all the teams will play in the Alamo Dome before you head back to your cities is going to hurt really bad, really, really bad. So uh, not looking forward to that too much, but looking forward to strapping it back up a little bit this weekend and going out there competing. It should be a lot of fun. If you need some offensive line consultation, just call me. I'll come out to San Antonio. Yeah. I'll teach guys how to pass set, you know, how to read a Mike linebacker, X, Y, Z. I got you. I will do that. But it's very exciting. Um, when can people expect to see the legends in action? How do they get tickets? Tell them. 
So go to AtlantaLegends.com. Go get all your gear. Uh, I got some sweet stuff already. I I got my big old uh, starter jacket, which is absolutely incredible. Sweet. We'll get you one too, Drew. You Thank can work you. the games. And uh, get your tickets there. So we'll play. Our first two games are on the road. We had February 9th in Orlando. So get to go play Steve Spurrier's squad week one. Okay. And then we head out to San Diego week two. And then home, I think home the next two games. So I think it's February 23rd or 24th, whatever that Sunday is. We'll be back here All right. in Atlanta, Turner Stadium, rocking. Here we go. got some of the kinks out and we'll be, uh, you know, you know Mike Vick's the OC, so we're just going to be flinging that thing around probably about 50 times a game. Yeah, there's no way he's doing install meetings, right? It's Childress. Childress will do that, and Vic will be back in the back taking notes. Well, yeah, it, it's it's Coach Chili. But, I mean, it's like it's like when we were in Kansas City and Coach Childress was there, Doug Peterson there, Matt yeah. Nagy was there. I mean, you have yeah. all those guys who were going to be head coaches or have had head coaching experience, and, and Coach Reed did all the installs. Gotcha. I mean, you had Doug Peterson sitting there. Like I said, Nagy was sitting there, but – Andy was the one in, in charge of getting everything set up, installing, really in charge of the majority of the game plan. And then Coach Pearson and Nagy would help out with him, obviously. But I'm sure it's going to be the same thing. Coach Childress, this is his offense. And I don't know just yet who's calling the plays. I would I assume Coach Childress is going to be calling the plays as well. But Vic's going to help with the game plan, getting things set, obviously working with the quarterback's fundamentals. And uh, hopefully seeing if he can get my 40 time a little bit down would <laughs> be nice. Go. Give awesome. me some tricks. Well, we're excited, man. I'm excited for you. Everybody should certainly check out AtlantaLegends.com. Get your tickets. Get ready for a great season of spring football led by Aaron Murray in the state of Georgia once again. That is exciting stuff, my man. Good luck. And, again, if you need any help, I'm just a phone call or a Skype call away. Yeah. You know that. All right, let's break down some of these college football games, all right? Wow, the playoffs are over, and they went pretty much exactly how I told you they were going to go on last week's punt and pass. Let's start with the Cotton Bowl. It was the first game on December 29th at about 4 p.m. Number two, Clemson took on number three, Notre Dame. Now, Aaron, before I get to bashing you, I got to give you some credit at least. You said Clemson was going to win the game. You just thought it was going to be closer. I think the score you picked was like 35-31 or – 35-28, 35-28, yeah, something close at all. along those lines. But Notre Dame, as I told you, just wasn't ready for this type of competition. I specifically told you and, and every listener that I just thought Clemson and Alabama were far better than 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, everybody else in college football. I thought it would be made clear on the 29th, and it certainly happened that way. Now, it did not start well for Notre Dame. It did not End the first half well. It did not end the third quarter well. They got whooped. They weren't ready. Clemson's defense just absolutely shut down Ian Book. Now, I got to give Dexter Williams, the running back for Notre Dame, some credit. Dude can bring it. And he performed to the best of his ability, but you can't do it all with one running back. And Clemson wins this game 30-3. to It was just kind of the same old ho-hum Notre Dame not going to be able to compete in a New Year's Six or a BCS National Championship or now a college football playoff semifinal game. Look, they had a great season. And for all the people who are upset about them getting in, just keep in mind, they were ranked number three before conference championship weekend, regardless of what happened on the field in the Big 12 championship, the Big 10 championship, or the SEC championship game. Their standing within the committee was never in question. So I think Ohio State fans had a reason to be upset on the 29th. I think Georgia fans had a reason to be upset 
on the 29th because Notre Dame simply just didn't show up, and it's a trend that is not good for them in the future. Man, Aaron, this was a hard game to watch, but it was one that I predicted. Yeah, I, I just think going forward, they, they're going to have to really take a look at themselves and figure out, do we need to join a conference going forward? Yeah. To, to, the way they played in 2012 or 13 or whatever, I mean, it was the 2012 season when they lost yeah. Alabama, just got absolutely crushed. And then this game versus Clemson right now, it's just, it's just feeding into the frenzy and the craziness and the discussion about they need to be in the conference in order to now get back into the playoffs. And I, and, and they performed and you know me, I was a huge Notre Dame fan all year, but you can't go into a game like this when you have, and they had an extra week to prepare more than Clemson did. They knew they were going to play Clemson. Yes. They, they knew it. I mean, they knew they were going to be three and Clemson was going to be four based on who Clemson was playing in their conference championship game. So they have an extra week to prepare an extra week to watch film, to get healthy. And you still go out there and get absolutely embarrassed on national TV in the playoffs. So I don't know. I mean, I was discussing with some people the other day about, you know, where can we put Clemson and UCF? I mean, could you put them in or not Clemson, UCF, excuse me, Notre Dame and UCF into a conference, you know, yeah. add them into somewhere just to make it, you know, I think both schools are obviously very talented. I think UCF going forward is going to continue to, to recruit well and have good football teams. They've great stadium, great campus. You're in Florida, put them into a conference, put Notre Dame into a conference, but it wasn't a good look. I mean, you look at the game and a couple of things jump out to me and this should help going forward too, is once again, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, yeah, I question, wow. could he perform on the big stage against probably the best defense he was going to face all year long before now playing Alabama? And he dominated. I mean, he dominated that game. He looked like a kid who's played, not even a kid. He looked like a man played for three or four yeah, years. He looked like he was ready for the I mean, NFL. He, yeah, he was incredible. I mean, he may be but a top five quarterback in all college football right now, I mean, just accuracy, the poise down the field, comfort in the pocket, did not look rattled. I mean, that kid is awesome, awesome, awesome. And then sacks, six sacks on the – I mean, that's something that now they're going to have to carry over to this next week with two because we saw versus yep. Georgia uh, when two got a little rattled, start throwing the ball up, holding on to it, bad things were happening. So the defensive line came and performed, dominated, shut down the running game. And then Trevor Lawrence, like I said, he was a man. He was a, he, he grew up tremendously in this game. And I think he showed me a lot of poise and, and, and guts and cojones saying that, Hey, I'm ready for this big spotlight. And I don't think he's going to be scared the same as well. No, you're totally right. And, and you know, during the game, while Clemson was just throttling Notre Dame, you, you get on social media and everybody's the smartest person in the room. I was having a lot of fun with it. And and the thing that upset me the most is is national media members who were like people who say Notre Dame needs to join a conference are idiots. They're dumb, and that's no reason to look at how this could be fixed in the future. And I think you and I agree to disagree with the media members who have that take. Joining a conference for Notre Dame, and I get all their reasons not to join a conference, their TV rights deal. You know, they are college football incarnated as far as every Notre Dame Golden Domer is concerned, but. If you join a conference, right, that specific scenario I don't think gets the opportunity to show and rear its head in a national semifinal game. They would have played Clemson in the national championship if they were in the ACC, right? I mean, 
you got to be crazy if you think that if BYU went undefeated this year that they would have been in the college football playoff. They're an independent school, too. It's just not how it works. Notre Dame gets to play by a different set of rules. I think if they joined a conference, right, nobody could question their schedule. And I get, look, this schedule has been, this past year, has been in place for a long time. They have no control over how the teams perform that they play. When's the last time Stanford Virginia Tech, USC, Florida State, USC, all I mean, were down in the same schedule. year. I yeah, mean, it's a good look schedule. At schedule to start the season. You're like, that's a that's a bitch. It's yeah. a tough schedule. Yeah, and they and look, and they then, couldn't. Control I mean, it's not it. their fault that those teams didn't go out there and perform. I mean, like you said, what year have you seen that all those teams at one time, especially USC and Florida State, and the way Stanford's played lately? I mean, the their past, hardest what, games 10 were or 12 Syracuse years? I mean, they've been down that bad. Yeah, I mean, you're totally right. You know, their hardest games were Syracuse and Northwestern. Look, Notre Dame went undefeated. I think if they joined a conference, though, in this in the future, whether it was the Big Ten or the ACC or the Big 12, whatever it was, it would take out questions of their schedule regardless of the year, and it would put them in a conference championship game for them to fight for the right to get in the semifinal. But do not take it away from uh, Clemson and Trevor Lawrence. And that offense and defense, wow, they look ready for mm-hmm. this national championship game. We'll break that down. In a bit. All right, the other semifinal game, number one Alabama took on number four Oklahoma. And talk about a fast start, Aaron. They won the game 45-34, to 34, but it was 28 to nothing Alabama with 13 minutes left in the second quarter. I mean, you talk about getting punched in the face and not knowing what the hell was going on. Alabama came out and smoked Oklahoma early. Tua, look at this stat line, 24 of 27, three incompletions. For 318 yards and four touchdowns. The dude had more touchdowns than incompletions in a college football playoff semifinal game. That is insane. It's crazy. And he was awesome. He's he's healthy, and you give Nick Saban more than two weeks to prepare for a game or more than a week to prepare for a game. You gotta be you gotta be ready. And you know they were gonna be well prepared and really listen, Kyler Murray, I thought had his moments. I mean, he looked like the Heisman winner and 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 for those who want to say, oh, this is this is why Tua should have won the Heisman. Listen, Alabama is a far superior team than Oklahoma. Yes. You take you take Kyler Murray off Oklahoma's team, that team's ten and two, nine and three, maybe. I mean, even in in that t- not not as good of a conference. But if you take Tua off Alabama, I still think that's an eleven and one team I would or twelve totally, and one team. Totally I mean, agree it, with you. What Kyler did at Oklahoma, he, I mean, it was the Kyler Murray show. I mean, and nothing against Tua. Tua is tremendous. Any other year, Tua would have won the Heisman. And shoot, he could have won the Heisman if he would have played better. Probably would have won the Heisman if he played better versus Georgia. But yep. this game does not indicate to me, and I don't think for most people who are well-educated in football, that, that Tua should have won the Heisman. Kyler still had very special moments. He was just up against a better defense. And we know how bad Oklahoma's defense is. And he was up against a more powerful, better coach at the time team. So plain and simple, that's all it is to it. Alabama yeah. dominated. They they should have, though. And, and right now they look healthy. And the biggest thing is to his knee, his ability to move around the pocket, feeling good in the pocket to be able to feel confident to step into a throw and throw the ball accurately down the football field. You see it right now. Obviously, the running game just ran right through him, which we could have predicted. So – the two best teams are in plain and simple. You could have said this beginning of the year. I, I thought at the start of the season, I thought there are three teams talent wise, their rosters that could be 
in this game. Yeah. Oklahoma, not Oklahoma, Alabama, Clemson and Ohio state. Cause yeah. you look at Ohio state and the talent they have on that team, just as talented. I mean, they have talent all on the board, offense, defense, veteran co- uh, coach, great really quarterback. quarterback in Dwayne Haskins. I mean, if they played the way they played versus Michigan all year long, they would have been the playoffs and had an opportunity to play one of these teams. But Alabama and Clemson, once again, round like what, four or five. Yep. So it's, uh, it's going to be a good one. No, it's going to be a great one. And, and, you know, when we were breaking down the game last week, you, I think you're pretty, I mean, obviously you said Alabama was going to cover. I think you said they were going to cover. You said they were going to win, of course. No, I, you, I said they would win by like nine. I all think. right. So that was a good prediction on your part with Oklahoma scoring late. I thought uh, I picked like 51 to 30. I thought Alabama would roll. And, and my whole thing was just Oklahoma has no, defense no No defense defense. and it showed in spades last saturday night against oklahoma um excuse me against alabama and alabama took care of business as most predicted setting up a huge college football national championship in santa clara california i don't know why the hell it's all the way out west ticket prices are down they're like you can get in for like 130 bucks it's crazy. Last year, for comparison, in Atlanta, Georgia, Alabama, get-in price was like $1,700. So we're going to break this game down in a little bit. But Alabama took care of business. Kyler Murray looked uh, looked completely lost in the first half, but really brought the Sooners back in the second half to make it somewhat competitive. Let me ask you a quick question about Kyler Murray. Obviously, he was a top 10 or top first-round pick baseball. in baseball for the Oakland A's. Okay. And everybody's saying he has a real chance to go to the NFL. Now, you cannot argue his talent. His talent is clear. The dude can run all over the field. He really can throw the ball well, too. I saw him, Aaron, at the College Football Awards show in Atlanta. Okay? And I look on my cell phone. I check what he's listed at height-wise. And it says 5'10 on the official Oklahoma um, roster. He is not 5'10. Okay? If you are listed as 5'10", on your college roster, subtract two or three inches. Aaron, he is five eight, and I saw him. He's five foot eight, and I don't want to sound like an asshole, but he cannot be an effective starting quarterback in the NFL at five foot eight. I don't care how good you are. I have no. He'll get picked up that. and dropped, and it, his back will be broken. That's uh, what I think. Listen, too. there's no doubt. He is one of the best athletes, if not probably the best athlete in college right now. He's I mean, five the, his eight. ability to go. What's that? He's five foot eight. I know, but he's an incredible athlete. I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with you in the fact that he, I, if I'm him, I'm playing baseball. I mean, you got oh, yeah. guaranteed money. You have the ability to play a longer career. I think you have. I think he has a chance to be way more successful in baseball than he does football. And, and nothing against his football ability. I mean, the dude's an absolute stud in the field. But we all know the NFL game is a little different. Yes. And being five eight, a buck eighty, soaking wet. I mean, that's just not going to get it done at quarterback. I'm sorry. I mean, you are going to get picked up. And just broken in half. Yes. And um, but I, if I'm him, I, I would play baseball. If I, I had the option, so if I'm a top five pick, and I got five million guaranteed right now, Come on. and you just make it to the league in a couple of years, you're gonna get a nice little, you know, two hundred million dollar guaranteed. I'm taking baseball any day of the week. That's called economics. Economics one on one by punt and pass. Yeah, just a little quick Kyler Murray uh, shout out there. I just have questions, and if he goes to the combine. Uh, put me down for five foot eight on the official measurement of his height. All right, let's break down these New Year's six games real quick. We will start with the Peach Bowl. Wow, Florida whooped up on Michigan. We could touch on this briefly, Aaron. They beat the Wolverines 41 to 15. I did not see this happening. I thought Michigan would at least make it somewhat competitive, especially mm-hmm. 
coming off their terrible loss to Ohio State to finish off the 2018 regular season. But Florida, Felipe Franks, Dan Mullen, they could be primed for a big 2019. They looked legit, and they really just whipped up on Michigan up and down the field consistently in the Peach Bowl. Oh, it's unbelievable. I mean, Dan Mullen, year one, 10 and three. And, and I said from, from the, from this off season, I mean, what he did, I'll keep saying what he did at Mississippi state with less talent, less talent. I mean, not even close to the amount of talent that Florida Gators have to be able to consistently have that team ranked in the top 20 inside the top five, number one at times. I mean, you can't do that with, with even like decent coaching. I mean, yeah. you have to have incredible coaching to get Mississippi state to be a top five team. So you knew when he went to Florida, he was going to get this thing turned around and, and turn around pretty fast. So big props to him. And then big props to Felipe Franks, man. He, he really stood up this year had a tremendous season. Obviously yeah. he had his moments, but overall I thought it was a really, really good year. And now you guys think, okay, Dan Mullen got Felipe Franks one off season to this level to playing to this level. Now he gets him for a whole nother off season and you plus you get Emory Jones in there too, competing for the starting job as well. They're one good quarterback away from having a chance to win the SEC East. You know, I, I thought they could have made the game versus Georgia decently competitive this year. Felipe Franks goes out there and just throws a couple picks, doesn't look good, has one of his, like I say, Felipe Franks moments. If he eliminates that next season and then Emory Jones can come in there too and play, this is a dangerous team in the East right now. They got a lot of momentum going forward. And uh, I think Florida fans should be happy about it. I know our boy C Rob. Yeah. I was hanging out with him a few nights before the game was all jacked up. They're they're gonna be good. The, the, the surprising thing to me though, with all the Florida schools, is how poorly they're recruiting. That's crazy. I mean, you look at Miami, you look at Florida, you look at Florida State, none of them are in the top I don't even think any of them are in the top fifteen when it comes to recruiting. And and that's just with all the town in Florida and the big names, the traditions, you're in big conferences. None of them are recruiting extremely well, which is, I think, somewhat concerning. But like I said, going back to Dan Mullen at Mississippi State, he never recruited top 10 classes or top five. No, classes. you can't. They're still Starkville. really, really good. Yeah. Yeah, you can't start. And he still put, like I keep saying, an incredible football team on the field. So I still think they'll they'll end up pretty good. They'll probably get into the top 15. But, um, you know, it's just it's going to be scary when he does start getting these top five and top 10 classes with his coaching ability. I totally agree. Florida wins the Peach Bowl 41-15 to over number 7-ranked Michigan, and it looks like they are ready for a big 2019. They will ride that wave all offseason long and definitely into recruiting. How about the Fiesta Bowl? Wow. LSU takes care of UCF. That's right. Finally, Finally. the two-year undefeated streak has been broken. They win the game 40-32, to but the score may not indicate just how much and how well LSU took care of the Golden Knights. It was 40-24 to with two minutes left, and UCF scored. LSU was missing a ton of players on the defensive side of the ball, obviously, and we all know UCF was missing their starting quarterback, Mackenzie Milton. When I turned that game on, Aaron, I was kind of upset because of the built-in excuses for both sides. If UCF lost, it's because they didn't have their quarterback. If LSU lost, it's because so many people sat out or didn't play in the game. But it ended up being pretty decent football in the second half, somewhat competitive. But LSU, the SEC beats UCF, and now we don't have to listen to the Golden Knights say that they are the two-time defending national champions. Their 25-game win streak, which is extremely impressive, is over. And LSU, I know Joe Burrow's done, but they are set up for a nice little 2019 also 
They open with Texas next year, and we'll get to Texas in a little bit. But well, LSU, well, thank Joe you. Burrow's not done yet. He's a junior. No, I think he's out. I think he's out. I'm almost he's leaving. I think he's a fifth year graduate transfer. No, he's a junior. Are you sure? I'm gonna check that right. I'm 100. Now. I'm looking at ESPN right now in front of my face. Really, Joe Burrow, number nine, junior, LSU Tigers. Okay. Well, there you so go. He's back. Thank you for he's correcting back. me. He That's will be huge. back. That's absolutely. Joe huge. Burrow will be back. Finally, LSU has a quarterback. Yes. Yes. Finally, I mean that's huge for the program. So we'll uh, that that should be a lot of excitement down there in Baton Rouge when you finally have a quarterback back. But listen, before we bash UCF too hard, or if we already have bashed them too hard, I apologize. It's amazing what they did. It really is to go two seasons to beat Auburn last year in the Chick Fil A game, to do what they did, the excitement, the energy, uh, building that program. I, Props to them. I know we give them crap all the time saying, you know, you're not the national champs Alabama was last year. But to go 25-0, and 0, that's a tough thing to do, to go in every single week knowing that you have a gigantic target on your back and everyone wants to take you down. Still have that confidence in yourself and your game plan and your coaches to go out there each and every week and dominate and win those games. So props to them. I still think they need a up some more uh, difficult games you know take florida up on that two for one deal yeah why would you not why, no, they really why need would you to not want to yeah. do you know two games in gainesville and one game down to ucf i mean that is huge i think for you as a program for recruiting getting players excited so i i think ucf can do really well and they already are i think recruiting wise you're in orlando you're in the heart of florida you can recruit the north you can recruit the south you can get central florida you got an unbelievable campus you got beautiful women you got a great stadium i mean they have the making of a lot of great stuff there at ucf they just need to continue even though they lost this game they need to continue driving forward i think they can and i just think they need some more bigger games during the season going forward to continue this excitement yes that's how they're going to get more respect that's clear so uh yeah ucf 25 is awesome that's for sure and lsu Took care of business, wins the Fiesta Bowl, 40-32 to to the Rose Bowl. Ohio State beat Washington 28-23, to but get this, Aaron. It was 28-3. to Ohio State led 28-3. to A score a lot of Georgia fans and Falcon fans kind of wince their eyes at. They were up 28-3 to at the end of the third quarter, and Washington comes storming back. I thought Urban Meyer's last game as a coach, he says at least, was going to be just a horrible loss, but Ohio State held on, and the Big Ten champs win the Rose Bowl. They'll probably finish as the number three seed, I would think, in the college football rankings at the end of the season because they do only have one loss. They were the Big Ten champs, the Rose Bowl champs, and uh, Urban Meyer, air quotes, done coaching. We'll see. We will see. Yeah, but well, we will see. We'll see in about two years if uh, he's feeling good and wants to get back in, but Dwayne Haskins, I think, if he comes out, I think he solidifies himself as as the first quarterback taking the draft. I mean, he can do not very mobile. I mean, he can maybe pull down and run if he needs to. But I remember one of his touchdowns, he threw a dagger route. So dagger route is about 16 yard route. You get to 16, you kind of roll to 18 as a as a receiver, and he threw it on an absolute rope. I mean, it is a tough throw it's a deep throw yet on time usually over linebackers and his accuracy and his arm strength and he's shown it all year long but when he made that throw and the way he performed for most of that game i was like he's 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 going top 10 he's going top 10 yep he's gonna be the first quarterback taken in the draft so we may be seeing our uh justin fields wearing the little ohio state 
now if uh, <laughs> Dwayne Haskins decides to leave early for the NFL draft, which I, if I'm him, I'm getting out of there. I mean, you're a top 10 pick. Get out of there. Go to the draft. Don't risk, you know, coming back and maybe getting injured. Um, you know, he had a tremendous year this year, played well last year sparingly as the backup quarterback, and uh, now has a chance, like I said, to be a top 10 pick. No, you're totally right, and uh, Ohio State looked great. Dwayne Haskins led them to a fantastic victory over Pac-12 champion Washington. Ohio State finishes the season with one loss and wins the Rose Bowl 28 to 23. Okay, the elephant in the room. Let's talk about the Sugar Bowl. You and I were both dead wrong here. I did not see this coming. Mm-hmm. And do we want to talk about the game first and then get to Tim Worley's letter afterwards? Let's talk about the game real quick. Okay, let's, let's talk down, about the but... game real quick. Now, last week on Punt and Pass, we discussed what would entail and happen during the Sugar Bowl. And I thought, in my professional opinion, that the fact that Georgia would be able to watch the semifinal games before they played. Usually these New Year's Six games are played before the semifinal games because it all culminates with who's going to play in the national championship. But because of scheduling this year, they wanted the semifinal games to be on a Saturday. Therefore, Georgia played on a Tuesday. And I thought, and I told you, when Georgia watches Notre Dame get schlacked and then Alabama whoop Oklahoma Georgia had a great opportunity to go out there and prove that the committee messed up. Now, Notre Dame gets smacked. All the Georgia players go on Twitter, say that the committee got it wrong, blah, blah, blah. I don't necessarily have a big problem with that, but Georgia absolutely no-shows in the Sugar Bowl. It was 17 to nothing at one point. It was 28 to 7 at another point, and they lost to Texas 28 to 21, the score does not indicate just how much of an ass whooping this was. Sam Ellinger, Mm-mm. Texas's quarterback, looked like Mike Allstott on the field. He ran the ball. The quarterback, choo choo baby, 21 times for 64 yards and three touchdowns. I tweeted out during the game: if this happened during an NFL football game, he would have been pulled for concussion protocol. This dude was lowering his head, taking on linebackers, defensive linemen, anybody in his way, running them over. Texas looked unbelievable. And if they played like that against just about, not every team, but just about every team, they would have won. They whooped Georgia, and there's no excuse for the dogs, just no showing. Wow. No, I was more surprised. I think it's a mixture of a couple things, but Texas defense, I mean, they came up big. I was not expecting Texas defense. I mean, they've had a couple moments this year, but really not a great defense at all, especially against the run. But totally. like I said, it's a mixture of them really stepping up and having a tremendous game. And then two, I mean, look at DeAndre Swift, eight carries for 12 yards. And then the two fumbles, Ooh. I mean, he was sleep. I, I think the entire office was sleepwalk. I mean, there's no reason why with the, the strength, the size, the talent at the offensive line position and at the running back position that, that Georgia couldn't just march up and down the field running football. And they just didn't get it done. They were still on Bourbon Street, maybe a little bit hungover from all the partying during the week, maybe a little pissed off that they weren't in the playoffs, but still no excuse. You got to show up. This was their opportunity. You win this game. You're going to finish the year off the number three team in the Absolutely. country. Absolutely. The number, now you're going to finish the season off as what? The number eight, maybe eight. Maybe seven, maybe eight. I mean, yeah. you're, you're not going to be in the top five. And when you have the opportunity, you win that game to be number three into the offseason, feeling good. But I still think you feel good if you're the dogs because you are young. I know that they, they say it every single game, but it's true. This is a young 
football team. And, and for me, looking back this summer, I think they exceeded my expectations because all the guys that got drafted, all the guys who left on the defensive side of the football, yeah, you're they like, lost can they leaders. rebuild that fast? They lost locker room leaders. Yeah, and all the leaders too. So I think they exceeded my expectations. I think they're ahead of schedule right now. And now all of a sudden those, those four and five-star recruits we've had for the past couple of years, now those guys are seasoned. They're going to be sophomores. They're going to be juniors. And they're going to be ready to go out there and kick some butt. And then you get another top recruiting class coming in as well. And you get a couple of those guys that go in there and perform next season. So I think Georgia's right where they need to be, if not even a little bit ahead. But still was not a great look to, to show up pretty much asleep versus Texas. And those guys really just dominate. I mean, like you said, the score is not even – indicative at all of what the game felt like. I mean, no. Texas dominated from the very was, first possession. I was laughing watching it. I mean, they were getting whooped. Now, keep in mind, a lot of young guys played on Georgia's defense. DeAndre Baker didn't play. These are not excuses. It's just the facts. And and you can compare it to Alabama playing in the Sugar Bowl in 2009 when they lost to Utah. You could compare it to Alabama playing in the Sugar Bowl in 2013 when they lost to Oklahoma. It's different now, and we can move into and talk about this Tim Worley letter that he wrote to Kirby Smart and the entire football team. But regardless of what you think, in the day and age of the college football playoff, these New Year's Six Bowls are just different. That's why guys don't play in games that don't have an effect on the national championship race. Look, when I was in school and we played in the Sugar Bowl, it was a huge deal. We had an opportunity to finish number two in the nation, and they did that. They, they, we whooped up on Hawaii. The Sugar Bowl was awesome. They had been a while, or I guess two, three years since Georgia played in a BCS game. BCS games were a big deal. Now, these kids who are at Georgia now, I don't even think they were in high school back then. No, they were like in elementary school. It's just... <laughs> different it's 2019 man i think these guys were upset that they didn't get a chance to play in the playoff and it showed they got their asses kicked there's no two ways about it there's no I excuses just, I don't, there's an excuses but you're playing a college football game i mean i agree I when agree in my mind when in my mind i've never gone into a game saying i'm just gonna walk through this and, no. and not play no you a chance to play football for goodness sakes yes. if you're any kind of competitor you want to win i don't care if you're playing chest if you're playing pick up basketball knockout a football whatever it is if you really are a competitor you want to win every single thing you do especially a football game something that you take pride in you take pride in the fact that you are a football player in the sec for the university of georgia or whatever yes. school you're at you want to win I, I don't think i think that's an excuse maybe the media makes for them they just didn't show up they didn't have a good day I think they wanted to win. I think they wanted to go out there and perform well. They just did it, plain and simple. They yep. did not wake up when the ball was kicked off. But I think any kid that plays football wants to go out there and put it on a good show and have fun, compete. Because, you know, I know it's not fun losing. You don't want to go lose. You're not going to the game saying, oh, I don't really care if I lose this game. No, that, that is – I guarantee you that was not the mindset in that locker room. No, you're totally right. And uh, it showed. Kirby was upset after the game. I mean, the players were asked about their tweets, and they stood by him, which I at least agree with. I'm happy they stood by him. I'd have a lot bigger of a problem if they backtracked on him. But they lost 28-21, to and they finished the season with three losses. Joel Klatt had a fantastic tweet. He was like, here's the reality of Georgia's season. One, 11 wins is fantastic. 
Two, you shouldn't have been in the playoff. And three, you lost to the three best teams you played in 2018. Thought that was pretty funny. Actually, a lot of truth to that. But Georgia's ready and prime for a big 2019. They're going to have a lot of questions to answer, but a lot of people come back as well. So that's that. And let's talk about this Tim Worley letter, Aaron. Tim Worley, obviously, the former All-American running back at Georgia in the late 80s, pens a frustrated letter on a USA Today fan site about Georgia. And I read this thing. A lot of people were sending it to me on social media, Aaron. And I read it, and he's just ranting and fussing, as he calls it. And it was really kind of interesting, to say the least, because... One, I think he's playing off the emotion of a fan base that just got whooped. And, and right, the fan base is probably way more excited to be in the Sugar Bowl than the players were. And I understand that. But playing off the emotion to pen this frustrated letter and say, first things first, don't call Kirby Smart Kirby. You need to call him Coach Smart. Thought that was an interesting take. I mean, I, I guess I get it from a respect standpoint. I don't think... A lot of the players are calling him Kirby. I think it's just a fan base. So if a fan wants to call a coach that's not necessarily their coach, but they call him Kirby, I don't see a problem with that. I thought it was funny when he called him Bruh, though, B-R-U-H. I don't see how that's very respectful. But it goes into talking about how you need to do your job, play every game, and then he starts pimping out his leadership consulting services, which kind of lost me at one point. But then he says, you know, there's a problem pay me to fix it. Here's my advice, though. And Uncle Tim's advice, as he says, is to compete every game and and essentially win every game you play in. I had to go back and and look at the Georgia record books, Aaron, but I didn't remember Georgia going undefeated for three seasons in the late 80s. I thought Tim Worley had never lost a game based on how he wrote this letter. It sounds like he walked uphill to practice both ways, too. I just don't get it. I mean, I understand. It's 2019. Yes, you want all your guys to play in the bowl games. He talks about how he played in his bowl game when he knew he was leaving early to go to the NFL. Again, it's just different. I mean, do you think the Saints should have played all their starters in Week 17 when they lost to the Panthers by 25 points at home? No, it's just different. And DeAndre Baker being a top 15 player on big boards heading into the draft, if he doesn't want to play... I get that. The coaches can't say play or leave. No. Nope. He's gone. I mean, it's 2019. It's things a different game different. right now. That's it's, a, a, different it's a different game. game and you got to you have to accept the fact that thing, times have changed, players are different, coaches are different, things are happening especially with these players leaving early. So, I still go into the fact though and I'm going to stand by it. These players did not decide not to show up and play. That was not their mindset heading to this game. They won the play. They yeah. won the win. They just, they just got their ass kicked. Yeah. Plain and simple. It's just like LSU. They didn't show up to that game in LSU. Badgers saying, ah, whatever. We really don't. This doesn't matter. This game's in the West. It doesn't really affect our chances going to Atlanta. Who cares if we win or lose this game? Whatever. They didn't show up then, and they got the crappy at them. And they didn't just show up for Texas. I mean, that it happens. Yes. It happens, especially yes. when you're playing young football players. There's mistakes. There's fumbles. There's misassignments. There's missed tackles. A lot of stuff happens. They did not show up. It had nothing to do with their mindset of saying, we're not going to go out there and compete. We're gonna, we don't care if we win or lose this game. That's not it. They just sucked. Yeah, I, they sucked for one game and they got whooped. I, Who cares? 
move on. I think they're still very encouraged for next season. I completely disagree with Tim Worley when he says this affected recruiting. It affects the future no, of Georgia no. football. No. No, it The recruiting not. already set. That's why the beautiful thing about the early commitment is they already got their whole class, I think, pretty much done with, yeah. if not already done with. And then the number, what, two or three recruiting class out there. So they're set. This isn't going to re- affect it at all. They're still going to be a top five heading into next season. You got Jake Fromm. You got all the running backs. I mean, th- th- this team is poised again to win 11 games, if not 12 games next season and be back in Atlanta. So this does not affect recruiting. It doesn't affect the excitement. Um, I don't think anything at all. It just, it sucks that you don't win the game. Plain yeah. and simple. You want to send your seniors off on the right note. You want to send them off with a victory and shoot. How awesome does that sound? If you would have won the Rose bowl last year, and won won the Sugar Bowl this year. Absolutely, everybody wanted been, yeah, to do you it. Win There's that. no question about that. And for comparison, if you want to talk about a single game or performance that does affect the future of a program, that does affect recruiting, go back to ten years ago. Okay, go back to the blackout in 2008 when Georgia was number three in the nation. They had started the season number one in the nation. They welcomed in Alabama. They put on their black jerseys. Alabama came into Athens, a night game, and beat Georgia's ass. It was 31-0 at halftime. I think the final score was 41-30. to That was a game that affected the future of a program two ways. Georgia backtracked. Alabama started their dynasty. I mean, recruiting changed. That had implications because it was during the middle of the season. It was a chance to cement yourself as one of the best teams in the nation. The Sugar Bowl against Texas, when it has no implication after the season, no. I I disagree with Tim Worley. But if you want to find out more about how to win every football game you play in, uh, he says compete and put shirts on that say big team, little me, and then pay him for his consulting services. So, Tim. Hey, you were a damn good dog, and I appreciate you, but I I just disagree with you. So we'll look forward to 2019. Let's wrap this episode up, though, Aaron. Let's talk about the College Football National Championship. And I just have to ask you now, I don't get to do a recap show with you, do I? Are you going to have your microphone at a training camp? Probably not. We, we, we can maybe squeeze something in there. We'll see what the schedule looks like. We'll we'll try to get a little something in there. You just let me know when you've got time. The best teams are in it, both undefeated. You know, someone at the end of the season is going to be 15 and 0. So that's, that's pretty sweet to see. That's huge to have a team make the entire season, both these conferences, even though the ACC is not as talented as the SEC, as we all know, but still, it's a, that's an awesome feat if they do go 15 and 0 for the Clemson Tigers. So, hey, listen, best two teams are in it. I think both two teams are, you look at their rosters, offense, defense, are extremely talented. I, I'm going to let you just talk, discuss a little bit about the special teams and maybe who's better in that yeah. category. Cause this could be a field goal game. I think this yeah. game, because you look, I mean, you look at last year, Jake Fromm when they played Alabama in the national championship game, and he was a true freshman had a, had a really good game. And you got to look at Trevor Lawrence right now and the way he's played this season has played probably better than Jake Fromm last year. And I don't think he's scared or nervous at all either. So I think that's, that should make Clemson feel very confident knowing that they got a young quarterback very talented, who's not scared of this big moment, and he's going to go out there and, and, and most likely have a good game, especially because you look at, at at Alabama and maybe their weakness a little bit being their secondary. This is a very balanced Clemson offense. So I think Clemson can make some noise. I think this game is going to be very tight. I'm torn both ways. I mean, I could see Clemson win this game. I obviously can see Alabama winning this game. I think it's going to come down to special teams, which, like I said, I'll let you talk about who yeah. maybe has the edge there. 
but two complete football teams, very good defenses, very good offenses can run it, can throw, have studs on the outside, have studs at running back and have two tremendous quarterbacks. So it's going to be, it's going to be who doesn't make the big mistakes, who doesn't turn the football over, who special teams can punt the ball well and make some field goals when needed. But I think the biggest thing is penalties and turnovers. If you, if you cannot give the other team momentum this game and get their crowd excited, get the other team excited, I think you give yourself a chance to win. No, you're totally right. Number two, Clemson against number one, Alabama. Alabama is a six-point favorite. My first thought is that's a lot of points in this game. These two teams are evenly matched up. The over-under is set at 59.5 as of Friday morning. I think this could be a field goal game. My two biggest things are almost two in the same. What is Bama's defense going to throw at Trevor Lawrence? And can Clemson's front four get after Tua like Georgia did in the SEC championship game? If he has a clean pocket and can dial up some accurate throws downfield, they're going to roll. And that's what Alabama is built to do. Their defense is good enough to at least affect Trevor Lawrence. But, man, Lawrence can spin it. He showed it against Notre Dame. And you were just talking about Jake Fromm and how he's performed against Alabama. For comparison, look how Trevor Lawrence performed in the Cotton Bowl. And look how Jake Fromm performed in the Sugar Bowl. Two completely different performances. Fromm was missing wide open throws. And Lawrence was fitting it into left-hand pockets. It was pretty amazing what he was able to do. On the special team side of things, Aaron, this is what it, the, 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 the reality is. Both teams are not that good on special teams. The punting games are not very effective. Field goals, you kind of hold your breath on both sides. Coverage units are good. Return units are good because they have so many great skill players. But the offenses and defenses for both Clemson and Alabama are both so complete and consistent that they're actually able to get away with some subpar special teams plays. So what's my prediction? I don't know. I, I, I'll take Clemson with the points. Give me the six yes. points take for Clemson sure. The points. All right? I, I think Alabama squeaks out a close victory in this game. I don't know if I can buy into a true freshman quarterback. I know Tua Tungvaluwa did it off the bench last year. But four quarters, and Nick Saban, man, they've been preparing for this. Both teams have, probably for the past five weeks. Let's be honest. They each knew that they were going to smoke their semifinal matchups, getting ready to face off against one another. I think it's a close game. I really do. Give me six points all day. If it goes up, jump all over it. I'll take Alabama by two points. They'll be down and somehow make a field goal to win a national championship. There you go. Yeah, I can't I can believe I'm saying it, but there you go. I could see it being a last second field goal by Alabama to win this game. It's for Clemson. They need to do what Georgia did. It just rush four, and they have a better front four than, than, than Georgia does rush four, man. drop seven and keep everything in front of you. If you're going to lose, or if Alabama's going to score points, make them do it with a 12 or 14 play drive. Don't let them score in two, three, four plays, make them earn it and make two frustrated. Like I keep saying what they did, First Georgia, I mean, two got frustrated. He was holding on the ball too long because no one was open. And he threw some errant throws that he normally does because he just wanted to make a play down the field. Clemson, trust your front four, play off. And, and then on the offensive side of the football, continue to run the football. You had a great running back. Maybe ease Trevor Lawrence into it a little bit. Don't, you know, come out there guns blazing right away. And then Alabama, if two is healthy, they're going to roll. I mean, they are. That yeah. offense, when he's healthy – there's just no way 
to, it, it's tough to stop him because they're going to be able to run the football. Two is going to be able to move around the pocket. He's more accurate down the field, more confident in his lower half throwing the football. It's just really, really tough. And we'll see what that secondary can do uh, versus very talented Clemson run game. And then obviously, like I said, the Clemson pass game has been absolutely stellar so far this season as well. All right. Well, I can't wait to watch it. And I don't know if you'll have time to sneak out of meetings and check out the game, but uh, you'll be in San Antonio during training camp for the Alliance of American Football for the Atlanta Legends. This will be a fantastic football game. It's the two best teams in the nation. They've, it's been this way the entire season. I cannot believe it's in San Francisco. What is that all about? Do not have the national championship in San Francisco ever again. Keep it in the South or in the Rose Bowl. Dallas, New Orleans, Miami, Atlanta, all the good places. Maybe even out in Phoenix every once in a while. Never again in the Bay Area. They don't give a damn about college football. But I can't wait to watch this game. Aaron and I both tell you, take the points. But Alabama wins a close one. Wouldn't be surprised if it goes either way. Aaron, college football is coming to a close, and I'm upset about it. But I can't wait, and I will fully enjoy Monday night's national championship game. Yeah, then don't worry, buddy. Alliance is coming in right behind hey, you. Hey, so now. All right, There you cool. go. When there you're all you sad, go. when this is over and the Super Bowl is over, put a smile back on your face because the boys in Pearl are coming to town. Love so it. get ready. Love it. All right, for Aaron, he is at AaronMurray11 on Twitter and Instagram. I'm Drew Butler at DrewButler13 on Twitter and Instagram. And, of course, follow <laughs> us at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram. We will talk to you after the national championship game. See you.